Paul Douglas, Jordana Green, and DJ producing today, Stephen Belton in the studio, uh, Urban League Twin Cities, pastor and recovering attorney. I, I love that. Recovering lawyer. Whenever you say that, I, I still chuckle under my breath. How long were you practicing law? Uh, it took me a long time to practice, so I was. <laughs> <laughs> we're all practicing. Tw- tw- Twenty years or so. Years. Twenty years or more. Yeah. Yeah. So you're here today for many reasons, and and thank you for for sticking with us, providing perspective on this horrific shooting in Texas. And we'll have more details as they become available. Again, if you're just tuning in to CCO, Uvalde, Texas, about an hour west of San Antonio. An 18-year-old with uh, two weapons went into the Robb Elementary School and shot dead 14 elementary students and one teacher. And um, again, I I guess you'd have to be a, a robot not to not to uh, not to feel a sense of horror when when you report on a story like this. I I, I know. Journalists are supposed to be objective, just the facts. Thank you very much. But how can you not feel a sense of revulsion and a sense of rage when these stories, I mean, innocent children. And um, again, your reaction to what what we're seeing in Texas today, Stephen. Yeah, well, I'm not a journalist, so uh, I get to uh, display and to feel the uh, full panoply of emotions here and uh, all of the ones that you mentioned, um, but also a sense of deja vu and, um, you know, you know, still feeling raw about, uh, you know, the horrific shooting in Buffalo, New York, and then now this. And uh, if there was any way to, you know, to, you know, to sort of punctuate, make the point here, it would be by killing innocent children. I mean, my mind is just racing with the horror that that scene must have represented. And there were 14 children and one teacher. Was it, were they all in the same classroom? And was it, I mean, we just don't know anything about it. But the mind uh, races with, you know, imaginings, Paul, about how horrific this was. And, and, And what could motivate a person to want to do this? I have to think about what sort of pain or disillusionment or anger or just what sort of mental illness possess the shooter himself. And I know this is not a time ordinarily where we immediately think about or try to humanize the killer, um, but it's all part of the range of emotions and the emotional reactions that one has in this moment. I think, you know, as a pastor, I've learned, uh, I've heard a number of stories, you know, from people who are dealing with, uh, you know, having with loss in some cases loss because of violent acts. And I've also talked with people who have committed these violent acts and, um, they're still human beings who have committed horrendous, awful things. And we will never fully know and understand because the killer here, Paul is someone who's dead. Now we won't know that. Um, and so that's part of what will the families in particular will wrestle with. There won't whatever sense of justice comes out of this, they won't have a sense of completion because they will never fully understand. And they'll go back and they'll look at his social media posts and say, oh, maybe we should, you know, we should have caught this. And here, you know, he was pretty outspoken about 
his weapons or whatever. And it, it's one thing to be talking about weapons. It's another thing. And we don't know this yet. I mean, no evidence has come out yet that he posted anything on social media. We won't dignify the shooter by mentioning his name. 18-year-old who went in, killed 14 beautiful, perfect elementary school, school students and one teacher. And I just, as a pastor, and I'm sure we have many secular listeners, um, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. We are all born with good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. I think some people get an extra serving of good and some people get an extra serving of evil. Based on your experience, uh, evil is real. It is real, and we're seeing it played out here, and uh, we're seeing it played out um, in the most precious of lives, of those children, but also the most vulnerable of professions. Teachers are not skilled at fending off violent offenders. They, they may, even if they have had training about active shooters, that's not their core function. This is a vulnerable but highly honorable profession. And my heart just goes out um, to that teacher, that teacher's family, uh, that entire community, and of course to the parents and the family members of those children who were um, you know, who were subjected to this violence. Uh, you and I were talking off um, off the air about, you know, how the families uh, and the parents in particular are going to have to go through this whole process of feeling like that they let down their children. They breached their fundamental duty uh, to keep their children safe, and yet there was nothing that they could have done. There really wasn't. Short of holding their children out of school, in what days do you do that? If you don't have a crystal ball, how do you know when to do that? And so do you just decide then that you're not going to send your children to school? You're going to homeschool them? Is that the answer? I don't think it is. Part of the problem, and you mentioned this, is that we're we're playing defense and we need to go on the offensive. And, I mean, I asked you rhetorically, are we going to turn schools into armed fortresses? Are we going to arm our teachers and expect them to be able to take down active shooters. Is this what it's come to? I think it will be for some school districts. You know, keep in mind that we don't have a universal, there's no national policy on this, so this will be mediated through individual school districts, and I think some school districts across the country, uh, even here in Minnesota, are going to be talking about arming up, putting in gates and, you know, and, and uh, having armed guards back in the teachers, I think this will catalyze. You remember right after George Floyd was yeah. killed, there was a move to get rid of the SROs, the, the uh, police officers who are in schools. And uh, Minneapolis Public Schools voted to get rid of the Minneapolis Police Department in those schools. St. Paul did the same thing there. I think there will be a move. Uh, there will be movement, at least, to uh, reexamine that policy. Um, but I don't think that is the answer. It may be a short-term answer, but ultimately we have to get at the cause of this thing, the cause and the means and the opportunity. And the means are that we have weapons that are available to too many people. And the cause of this is we need to address whatever the through line is, for the, whether it's mental illness, whether it's disgruntlement. We don't really know. And I have not seen much in the way of studies that examined uh, the motives of these mass shooters, particularly the ones who take on schools. As you were talking, I thought, when I watch my, my favorite shows on Netflix or Hulu, they always they have a warning mm-hmm. on the screen when there's going to be nudity yep. or smoking. Yep. I don't 
necessarily see those warnings when it comes to gun violence. Have we fetishized guns to the point in this society where we worship our weapons more than we worship our children? I think we do, and uh, I don't think it's intentional, but I think it is uh, an unintentional fact. We don't give those kinds of warnings. We have too many children uh, who are still playing with firearms and, you know, playing cops and robbers. And I, even I know one growing up myself, you know, one of my favorite Christmas gifts was a was a fake gun that fired off, the, you know, that had, uh, you know, fired off little plastic pellets and was right. shooting each other. and. Right. That's still being replicated in some form or another with video games and with the actual toys that children play. Yes, we glamorize um, the use of violence and uh, particularly gun violence. So Hollywood is part of the problem, but it's simplistic to say that it's it's video games, it's Hollywood. The gun lobby, right? A, sure. a persistent presence and seemingly resistant to any kind of gun reform. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I'm, Hollywood is, uh, I think, a symptom. The problem aren't necessarily the cause of it. I think that they uh, can be more responsible in their depiction uh, of violence. And I think that they can, uh, we can more responsibly frame violence. I don't want to attack art uh, getting at that. But there's, there's so much gratuitous violence. I mean, let's be honest. Some of the violence that we're seeing now is just for the effect itself. I mean, heads exploding and seeing bullets enter and then leave a body and all of that. All of that is about entertainment. It is not about art. And it has the effect of not only creating a sense of glamour around uh, the act of committing violence, but also it has a way, again, of numbing us to when we actually see it. Desensitizing us to what's really going on. Correct. And again, um, we have another update coming up from CBS on this tragedy in Texas. Um, what would you as a pastor say to the parents of these, these kids who were murdered today? Tell them to hold on to the memories that they have, um, that they need to be kind to each other right now. Um, <laughs> remind them that they are loved, that their children are loved. Um, and to get them to hold on to hope. And the hope for them, I would think, begins with remembering the beauty uh, of their children, remembering the beauty of the lives uh, that they are, and remembering um, how kind they were, how hopeful and how curious they were, and getting them to hold on to that uh, for as long as they can. But the shockwaves from this in that community, and again, over 200 mass shootings since the beginning of the year. The FBI says that mass shootings are up 50% since 2020. Uh, it, it certainly seems to be a trend, and it's, it's alarming. How can you not be alarmed by what, what we're seeing? You have to be alarmed, but the best thing, the most important thing that we can say to that community, to those parents right now, is that I'm with you. Um, the ministry of presence, Paul, is the most important thing right now. And what I find in these situations is that the best thing is to just listen and to just be there. Thank you, Stephen. Here's another update from CBS News on the Texas shooting. CBS News special report. A mass killing of young children today in Texas. It happened at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, in the southern part of the state. More than a dozen children were killed, along with a teacher. The gunman, an 18-year-old, was also killed. Derek Gonzalez lives in Uvalde. They said it was uh, that uh, they, could, they just could hear screaming, and then there was like a silence after that. 
I guess where they were all hiding, I guess the teachers were probably telling everybody to get down. Texas Governor Greg Abbott. It's believed that he abandoned his vehicle and entered into uh, the Robb Elementary School in New Valley with, with a handgun, and he may have also had a rifle, but that is not yet confirmed according to my most recent report. Uh, he shot and killed horrifically, incomprehensibly, uh, 14 students uh, and killed a teacher. President Biden on his way back from his Asian trip will address the nation in around two hours. CBS News Special Report. I'm Steve Futterman. Paul Douglas in studio with Stephen Belton, Urban League Twin Cities, pastor and former attorney. News today that the White House will announce an executive order tomorrow about policing. On the two-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd, we get more perspective from Stephen Belton when we come back on CCO. Paul Douglas, thank you for joining us on uh, a rough Tuesday. And again, I I don't think you have to have kids or grandkids uh, to empathize, to sympathize with, with the parents, the extended family of these 14 precious kids, elementary school kids who were Murdered in cold blood by an 18-year-old with two weapons who walked into Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, about an hour west of San Antonio, Texas. There have been over 200 mass shootings so far this year. The number continues to grow. Tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd, and reportedly the White House is going to announce an executive order about policing. Uh, focusing on use of force data, possibly a ban on chokeholds, a restriction on no-knock warrants. Stephen Belton, Urban League Twin Cities, uh, will will it make a difference? I think it will. Um, It's a move in the right direction, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, it will also be an encouragement to members of Congress and particularly in the Senate to – Past the reforms that have been uh, advocated since, uh, actually since before George Floyd was killed, but were catalyzed uh, by his murder. And so it's a move in the right direction. It's not enough. And I think the president himself will acknowledge that it's not enough. We talked a lot about the trauma that uh, young people, I mean, between the pandemic and violence and now school shootings, it just it's just layer after layer of trauma. And I, I worry I worry about all of us, but I worry about young people growing up today, looking around, saying, really, is this is this what America has devolved into? Mm. And nobody has a really good answer for that, uh, Paul. The fact is that this is far too frequent an occurrence. As you mentioned, this is the 200th shooting this year, school shooting or uh, mass shooting this yes, year. Yes, mass shooting. And um, so it's hard to say that it's not a fact of life. The only question is when will it happen and where will it happen? And will it happen in my community? Um, So often we are moved more by things that are local or for people who look like us or for communities that resonate with us. Um, But we should all feel outraged by this. And we should all be trying to um, make sure that this doesn't happen next again to any community and to any child. These were innocent victims, uh, and they are lost now. So there was accountability at the end of the day for George Floyd's death. Yep. Justice still a long way off. What is it going to take 
to have equality and justice for all. So there has been progress um, since George Floyd's murder. There hasn't been nearly enough, and it's been a matter of fits and starts. But let's acknowledge the fact that um, Derek Chauvin uh, has found, been found guilty of murder. Uh, let's acknowledge the fact that the three other officers who participated in that heinous crime uh, have also been held accountable in civil court. Um, I think we have changed the narrative so that uh, the community no longer assumes that police are the police version of events is correct and that police are acting with the proper motives. I think we have changed that narrative for the good and so that there is a healthy degree of skepticism and questioning and people want evidence and facts. Um, and let's look at what happened in these convictions in these juries. So we had a jury in Hennepin County that convicted Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd. We had a jury in Hennepin County that convicted uh, Kimberly uh, Potter for the murder of uh, uh, – of, um, Dante Wright, thank you. And then uh, actually the one that was most encouraging to me was the federal jury in St. Paul, which was pulled from across the state of Minnesota. I think there were eight different counties in the state of Minnesota from all across Minnesota who convicted um, those who found guilty the the three uh, officers there. And so I think we've had some changes there, but there hasn't been nearly enough. Stephen Belton, Urban League Twin Cities, sure appreciate you coming by the studio today on a rough day. Wish you uh, health, happiness, and prosperity in that order. Thank you. Thanks. Paul Douglas back with you on CCO. Tough day. And uh, again, forgive me, I'm just kind of at a loss for words, more so than usual. You know, little kids going to school, elementary school, going to learn, going to play with their friends. And uh, a creep with with two guns bursts into the school and shoots and kills 14 kids and one teacher who was trying to protect those kids. It's just another dark day, and we're having too many dark days. And I, I'm conflicted. Uh, DJ, I acknowledge Second Amendment rights. You have a right to have a weapon for hunting, for self-defense? Should everybody have a weapon? Should there be basic training? If you have a weapon, you should be trained? Yeah. Should people who are mentally ill have access to weapons? No. I don't think so. I think that, I think it is time for common sense gun reform. 80-90% of Americans acknowledge the need for common sense gun reform close some of the loopholes uh we have to keep guns out of the hands of people who should not have guns and people will say well paul who decides whether or not you have a right to a weapon should an 18 year old have a right to an assault rifle i'm thinking no i could be convinced otherwise but how many times are we going to have to do this 200-plus mass shootings so far this year. In my understanding, this latest tragedy, 15 dead, 14 of them kids, little kids. Biggest tragedy since Sandy Hook, which claimed 26 lives, 20 children dead. And Adam Carter said it very eloquently. If Sandy Hook didn't get things off the dime and didn't get us closer to real gun reform, 
common sense gun reform that most Americans can agree on, what on earth is going to get us closer? Or or is this our future? That every day, every other day, we're going to go on the air, there's going to be another city name, there will be another list of victims, we'll mention the shooter, how tragic, my thoughts and prayers. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We have to stop being on defense. We have to go on the offense. And I don't know what that's going to take. This is above my pay grade. I don't have the answer key. Collectively, most people, and I think most gun owners, would say, yeah, something should be done. You don't have a right, especially if you're mentally ill. If you've gone on social media and talked about blowing up schools, no, you do not have a right to go purchase a weapon. I'm sorry, you do not. You relinquished your right. We have rights and we have responsibilities. And right now we have a responsibility to keep everybody safe, including elementary school students. I just, they like today, I just, what is it going to take? We have lost our minds. One of our texters says, Paul, would Jesus own a gun? (laughs) I doubt it. Didn't he say? He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Isn't that from the Gospels, from the New Testament? Another listener, how many mass shooters in the last 20 years were younger than the age of 25 and legally acquired their weapons? It's well known that human brains aren't fully developed until about 25. Just a thought for possible common sense solutions. And I don't know what that age is and, you know, We don't arm toddlers, right? Because they might hurt themselves and hurt others. Most people would consider that. Most God-fearing people of faith or zero faith would say, yeah, that makes sense. We don't give automatic rifles to toddlers. And I I think other people need to be treated like toddlers. If, If you're mentally ill, I'm sorry. I hope you get the help you need. But no, you should not be able to walk into a Walmart and buy an AR-15. You do not have the freedom to do that. It's it's bizarre to me because 80-90% of Americans believe in common sense gun reform. We're not coming for your weapons. If you're law-abiding, we're not coming for your weapons. But not everybody should have a gun. DJ, do you disagree with anything I just said? Um, Put me in my place. No, no, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But I, I do think that it goes deeper than even gun control. I mean, you're citing that as sort of the the root. Is that a band aid? Is that well? A... I I struggle to find words and find answers. But we hear people say, you know, that America is the greatest country in the world, and I think that's a that's a fine sentiment to to have and to tout. But on days like this, it's hard to believe when for all the good that happens in this country and all the prosperity we have, um, we're scared to send our nine and 10 year olds to school because there's a mass shooting seemingly, what is it? A few times a year 
we have stories like this, uh, we've got a we've got a sickness and and it runs deep and it's more than just today and it's more than just gun control. But if we're really the greatest country in the world, uh, prove it. We, we got to figure it out. And it's a lot more than just you know people talking about inflation and economics or whatever. Sure, that's part of it, but figure out how to keep our kids safe. If we're really the greatest, we better figure that out and soon. I'm sick of playing this unholy lotto. What town name? What elementary school? What what venue? What what city is going to be next on the list? It's just, I mean, we have to figure this out. And I know we can figure this out. But when? What is it going to take? How many more tragedies? So, uh, a few final thoughts on a rough day here at CCO when we come back. Mr. President, there are 14 kids dead in an elementary school in Texas right now. What are we doing? What are we doing? Just days after a shooter walked into a grocery store to gun down African-American patrons, we have another Sandy Hook on our hands. What are we doing? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in the classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? What are we doing? That was Senator Chris Murphy in Connecticut, and he represents the district where Sandy Hook Elementary School is. And by the way, Sandy Hook Elementary, where 20 children died and six teachers and staff, 10 years ago, December of 2012, Sandy Hook has offered to provide assistance and aid for this Robb Elementary School, the latest tragedy uh, in Texas, in Uvalde, Texas, about an hour west of San Antonio. What are we doing? I'm sure we'll get more politicians sending their thoughts and prayers, which is good for nothing. We need action. We need, we need regular Americans to step up and say, yeah, We value our firearms, but we value the lives of our children more than our guns. That has to happen. Anyway, thanks for hanging in there on a rough day. And by the way, uh, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets. As the Twins take on Kansas City, Friday, May 27th, caller number three. Twins pregame. They're playing the Tigers. Stick around. That's next.